0: Today on Awaken to Grace, we're in Ephesians chapter 5. We are in the conclusion of a series on spiritual growth. And today we're going to talk about our walk. Now, when the Bible talks about our walk, it's meaning our daily life. It's talking about our lifestyle. So I'm calling today Spiritual Walk. Check your lifestyle. We're going to see how the Bible teaches us that we should look carefully how we walk or in other words pay careful attention to the way that we live and the bible is going to go on to say that we should make the best use of the opportunities that god gives us or some say redeeming the time well we're going to follow paul's logic we're going to follow each of these phrases through these few verses and we're going to learn how we can live a daily lifestyle that glorifies God, builds his kingdom. Well, I hope you enjoy today's broadcast of Awaken to Grace. Ephesians chapter 5. Today we're going to look at verse 15, 16, and 17. We're going to conclude a series today that we've been talking about spiritual growth. If you've missed any of this series, let me just give you a crash course of where we've been real quick, and then we will take a look at today's teaching. We began with week one talking about spiritual health. Check your vitals. We were in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We saw that the three vital signs of a Christian is faith. Love and hope. Scripture said that about the works of faith, the labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope. And we talked about how do you ensure that you are healthy as a Christian. We highlighted verse 4 that as Christians we are chosen by God. He loves us and He chose us before we ever came into the world. Before the foundations of the world were ever laid, you were in the very heart and the very mind of God Almighty, the Creator. And so we highlighted verse 4 that if we are chosen in Christ for salvation, we don't work for salvation, but rather it is because of salvation that we have the works of faith, the labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope. And so in week one, we learn how to measure our pulse to see how healthy of a believer that we truly are. And we saw that we're chosen in Christ for salvation. In week two, we were in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse two, and we saw that we are, if we're chosen in Christ for salvation, the next step in spiritual growth is that we are to grow up into salvation. We saw that like newborn infants, we are to long for the spiritual milk of God's word. And after growing in Christ and after being on the spiritual milk, there ought to come such spiritual growth that we transition into solid food. Hebrews 13, I'm sorry, Hebrews 5, 12, 13, and 14. And then we saw if we're chosen in Christ for salvation week one, we are growing up in Christ into salvation week two. Then last week we called it spiritual maturity. Check your attitude. I argued last week that it's possible for you to be chosen in Christ and be growing up into salvation, but then let our attitudes hinder the true work that God wants to do in our life. You can read your Bible and still have a bad attitude. You can come to church every week and still have a poor attitude. You can enjoy good Christian worship and fill your life with Christian music and still exhibit a bad attitude. And we talked even more specifically last week, rather than just saying a bad attitude, we were in Philippians chapter 2, what did we say was more difficult to detect? a selfish attitude. And we learned what the way Christ came, he came with true humility. And scripture tells us in chapter two of Philippians, that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And so the thread has been if we are chosen in Christ for salvation, if we are growing up in our faith unto salvation, if we are working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, and if we have the spiritual vital signs happy, if uh, healthy, if we have spiritual nourishment and our diet is healthy, and if our attitude is right, and our attitude is healthy, then all of a sudden we begin to grow in Christ. We become that new creation where old things pass away and everything becomes new. Now today to conclude the series, I want to draw your attention to Ephesians chapter five verses 15, 16, and 17. I want to talk about what, what it is to check Our lifestyle. We called week one spiritual uh, health. We talked about spiritual nourishment. Then we talked about spiritual maturity. Today we're gonna talk about your spiritual walk. We talked about what it meant to check your vitals, what it meant to check your diet, what it meant to check your attitude. And today we're gonna talk about what it means to check your lifestyle. We're going to examine ourselves as scripture teaches us to examine ourselves. Ephesians chapter five, verse number 15, it says, look carefully then how you walk. (laughs) I love that phrase. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, knowing that the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What a remarkable set of scripture from the hand of the Apostle Paul. Let's unpack it a little bit today. What does he mean by look carefully then how you walk? Well, understand when the Bible talks about our walk, you need to understand it's talking about your lifestyle. It's talking about the way you live your everyday life. It's not talking about your Sunday life. (laughs) It's not talking about a compartment of your life called God. It's not talking about the religious part of you or the church part of you. It's talking about your everyday go to work, come home, raise your family, have your friends, enjoy your interests, live your life, go through your struggles, enjoy your joys, and everything in between. Your walk equals your lifestyle. And what Paul is going to tell us is that we should look carefully, we should pay careful attention to how we live our everyday walk. And with this logic of scripture, if you are concerned about your spiritual health, if you are concerned about your spiritual diet, if you are concerned about your spiritual attitude and outlook, then naturally, what are you going to be concerned about? your lifestyle. What serious Christian is going to measure their health and measure their diet and measure their attitude and then just let their lifestyle be anything that comes along? No. This is a process. This is a journey of God sanctifying our lives. And what Paul's recommendation to us is, is that we ought to pay careful attention to how we live, pay careful attention to our walk. You know, this becomes even more clear to me as so many of you know, a couple of years ago, I went completely blind. And let me tell you how careful I walk today. First of all, I walk about two miles an hour. (laughs) It's kind of sad, but I'm careful I'm far more careful today than I ever was ever in my life. And thankfully, thankfully, uh, I've been blind just a little over two years now and I have not fallen one single time. I've not stumbled. I've not fallen. I've come close a couple times. Those uh, bump stops out here in the parking lot, they'll make a preacher cuss. <laughs> I've come mighty close, but I've not yet fallen. Amen. And sometimes I'll pray and I'll say, Lord, help me not to fall. And then, and then I'll just add to it, Lord, help me not to fall physically. Help me not to fall morally. Help me not to fall spiritually. Doesn't the Bible say in Jude 124 that God is able to present us without stumbling? He's able to present us before the Father, with great glory and with great joy. Amen? But see, I'm much more careful today how I walk. I pay far closer attention today than I ever did because I never want to fall. The Bible is saying... In a spiritual way, in a practical way, that you and I should have that same level of carefulness that we pay attention, we look, we watch, we're discerning, we are diligent, we are disciplined. We pay careful attention to how we walk in this life. Because let me tell you what the Lord doesn't want for you. The Lord doesn't want you to fall. The Lord doesn't want you to trip. He doesn't want you to stumble. He doesn't want you to hurt yourself. Or worse, hurt those around you. That's not what the Lord desires for the outcome of your life. So he says, pay careful Attention. Now, I love I love this, paying careful attention. You know what the you know what the Puritans called this? They equated this to spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are so important in our life. There are many spiritual disciplines. We've covered some of them over the last couple of years. I mean, prayer is a spiritual discipline. Even church attendance is a spiritual discipline, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, Hebrews 10, 25. When all of this COVID mess lifts, you know, as we know, there are so many within our own church congregation who are unable to come right now because so many suffer from asthma and chronic lung issues and Cancer and so forth. I mean, just so many like that. But once all of this stuff lifts and we're able, we're all able together, once again, that's going to have to be something that we encourage people in. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as is the habit of some. You know, so easily we either get into the habit of going to church or we fall into the habit of not. And so scripture gives us a warning there. Tithing is a spiritual discipline. Fasting, which we're getting ready to do in January. I hope you're ready for that. Fasting is a great spiritual discipline. And what the Puritans called this text, they called it the wet stone of scripture. (laughs) You know what a wet stone is? You ever seen men sharpening their knives? on that block, on that whetstone. And they called this text the whetstone of Scripture. It sharpens you. And what a great image going into 2021. I want to be sharper spiritually than what I've ever been. I don't want to be dull for the Lord. No, I want to be sharp. I want God to be able to use me and speak clearly to me and work mightily through me. And what does it require? It doesn't require talent. It doesn't require oodles of knowledge. It doesn't require somebody who has everything in life all together. No, let me tell you what it requires. Righteousness, holiness, obedience, faith, hope, love. Those are works that God wants to do within you as a believer. And as God works mightily in you, he'll then work mightily through you. But see, so many Christians today have it backward. They want to see God work through them, they're just not willing for God to work within them. Make sense? This is the whetstone of Scripture. This is where you sharpen yourself biblically. Spiritually, pay careful attention. Look carefully then at how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Notice the next verse making the best of the time, use of the time. Uh, The King James says, redeeming the time. What does that mean? Now, it's interesting, the word time here is not how you and I would typically use the word time as in a watch, a clock. It's not talking about time management. It's not talking about uh, days or weeks or years in the sense of chronological time. There are two Greek words for time in the Bible. Uh, chronological time would it be chronos which would be a calendar set of time. And the Bible does teach that in Psalms. It says, teach us to number our days. Wise people will number their days. It's talking about that. But in this case that Paul's writing, he's not talking about chronos, time. He's not talking about chronological time. He uses the Greek word kairos. And the Greek term kairos means a set of time in in our culture, in our English language, we would say something like, remember when? Remember when 9-11 happened? Remember the climate of the country? All of us at some point would be able to look back and say, remember when we were quarantined? Remember 2020? It's talking about a, a, a season. It's talking about a, a set like that, and what Paul is saying is make the best opportunity, make the redeem the 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 kairos, redeem this season. How interesting! And I think it's exactly what God is speaking to our church here at the end of, of this year, not in a chronological way, but in a season way. We've talked about this, how easy it would be to resign the year. How easy it would be to just roll over and just let it, let it pass. But no, through your amazing generosity, we stepped up for our local law enforcement and we did the great Bless the Blue project that I believe is going to have fruit for years to come. We stepped in to smile foster kids and did our very best to help that ministry and help them care for those children. We stepped in to Hope Haven Shelter and did Christmas for them and blessed those men in a great way, I believe. Right now, Bibles for Bangladesh, God put... Such a huge and a mighty project in my heart. And God spoke to me and said, this is what I want you to do. And out of that entire project, depending on how we end today. You know, right now, we are only $80 away from that entire project being fully funded. Why would the Lord speak to us about this and this and this and this? Why why would he not just say one thing? Why would God not say, it's been a tough year on everybody. Why don't you just do one thing? You know why? Because you know what we're fulfilling? We're fulfilling verse 16. Make the best use of this season. Make the most of this opportunity. Take advantage of the season, of the time. And that's what I believe we've been faithful to do as a church. I believe that's what you're doing as a family, how important it is. And I believe one day we'll look back on this kairos. (laughs) Not this chronological calendar year. No, I think we'll look back. One day, I think in eternity, we'll look back on this kairos and we'll be able to say as a congregation, boy, we made the best of it. We made the best of it. Those 92 cancer center gift bags that you sent, we made the best of it, amen? You know, a little cancer patient sent the church a card this week thanking us for those wonderful gift bags and said what an amazing light it was to her this Christmas season. Praise God for it. Listen, there are so many things That the Lord has allowed us to do by His grace. Oh, those missionaries who were here last week, what a mighty blessing we were to. I'm not keeping count, but that's like two hands worth of things. (laughs) They're right here the last 12, 13 weeks of the year. We have made the best of our opportunity. Are you doing it personally? Are you doing it as a family? Are you asking the Lord, who can we serve? Who can I help? Who can I count them more significant than I count myself? And friends, I'm telling you, if we'll look around, you'll see God at work in so many places, so many things, that God will have the ability to use you. Amen? I've got a friend here today that I don't mean to embarrass him. I probably will embarrass him. But I feel like the Lord's saying you just need... I feel like the Lord's saying this is a good example. Our brother Chuck is here this morning. As cold as it is today, did you know that my friend Chuck walked from Stone Drive to get here today? I didn't walk here today. And you know what? He came early before anybody else got here to shovel ice and snow out of our parking lot. Friends, let me tell you. Whatever level that you and I are serving at, we can up it. Can we say amen to that? If we'll just pay attention. See, that's what this scripture is telling us. If we'll just pay attention God will show us things and we'll begin to live as wise and not unwise. I just finished earlier in the month a book that really changed my life. I've done so much reading on the life of Jim Elliot, but I went back and I listened to the classic book. It was written in 1958. And I went back and listened to the classic book called Through Gates of of splendor Jim Elliot Nate Saint Pete Fleming Ed McCully and Roger those five men went to Ecuador to preach the gospel to unreached peoples They had guns but they vowed they would never use those guns ever They may fire a warning shot but they would never use them on the aqua Indians The Indians were known as cannibals. They were known as headhunters. They spent a couple of years trying to reach them, trying to make contact with them. And on the first very real encounter, these men, who most of them were in the prime of life, they were in their late 20s, early 30s, they all had wives. Most of them had children. They were killed. They were martyred by these Indians. What's so remarkable about Through Gates of Splendor is that the wives and the children didn't leave Ecuador. They stayed and they lived among the men that killed their husbands. Those men ended up giving their lives to Christ. And it's a remarkable story. It's it's literally a story for the ages. Jim Elliot said so passionately, And so wonderfully at the age of 28. He is no fool who gives what he can never keep to gain what he will never lose. Friends, that's living a wise life. How foolish it is to live for the moment. How foolish it is to live for the fleeting pleasures of this world. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he'll never lose. Do you live as wise? Or if you inventoried all of your decisions, if you inventoried where all of your money goes, if you inventoried all of your energy, if you inventoried the best of you, if you inventoried your attention, Would it be on wise things, eternal things? Or would it be on unwise, temporal, temporary things, transient things? Do you see what the scriptures is teaching us? If you pay careful attention to your walk, if you pay careful attention to how you live, you will begin to not live as the unwise, you'll live as the wise. You'll be no fool for giving what you'll never keep to gain What you'll never lose. Hallelujah. And let me tell you, those little missionaries who were here last week, that young couple, that God is going to use so mightily and so powerfully, some of you gave sacrificially to them. Some of you gave sacrificially. Let me tell you, you gave up what you could never keep to gain what you'll never lose. Some of you took a chunk out of your budget for Bibles for Bangladesh. Some of you've supported Cairo missions. Some of you have had a passion for Bibles for Pakistan. Let me tell you what you're doing. You're taking what you'll never keep and you're putting it toward great gain and you'll never lose it, amen? Live as the wise, not as the unwise. Make the best use of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Let me tell you something. Who would have ever thought that in the midst of a global pandemic, a church like this on a little corner of a little downtown, of a little town like Kingsport, would be able to show so much love and so much Gospel and share all that we share as a church. Who would have ever thought? It's because we're making the best use of the time. We're redeeming the time. Are you? Are you doing that individually? Because I assure you, this scripture is not written only to a congregation like this, it's written to your marriage. It's written to your family. It's written to your income. It's written to your health. It's written for your spiritual gifts. It's written for you personally. Can you say, I am making the best. I am taking advantage of every opportunity in this kairos, in this time that God has for me. Mm. I hope you're feeling encouraged because it's encouraging me. (laughs) Some of you say, Chad, I'm feeling convicted. No, my friend, be encouraged. God has set this kairos time. And you and I, depending on what we do with it, will look back on it from the vantage point of eternity. The question is, will we be wise or unwise? And then notice what he says, lastly and next. Therefore, so here's the conclusion Here's the transition. <clears throat> Someone said, well, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, stop and say, what's that therefore? You get it. Some of you will get it in an hour or two. But stop. What, what's happened when you see the word therefore in the Bible, that means something major just happened. And now he's going to tie it all together. So what's he saying? He's saying, pay careful attention. Watch out how you're living. Pay close attention to your lifestyle. Don't be like the unwise, rather be wise. And then he's saying, take every advantage of every opportunity that God brings your way. Do do I have five minutes to tell you one more quick little story? I read another book earlier in the year. It's changed my life. And in this book, he he highlighted a man in Atlanta named Milton Scott. I've been wanting to talk about Milton Scott for a while. And I just feel the Lord saying, now's a good time to talk about him. Milton Scott was born in 1895. Milton Scott lived until 2001. You think about that. He was able to see the 1800s, all of the 1900s, and into the 2000s. What a life God gave him. He did very well for himself. He was a businessman. And he did well. His sisters married into a brother's who were the founders of Coca-Cola in Atlanta. But it didn't much interest him. What interested him were kingdom agendas. He built a house for his bride in the late 1920s. It was the same house that they lived in their entire lives. It never had a modern kitchen. It never had a modern bathroom. As a matter of fact, when Milton Scott, in his 100s, (coughs) was in hospice care, The only air conditioning they ever owned in their house was a window unit that the hospice nurse demanded. (laughs) He never drove a new car. He would trade it in every 10 years on a sensible car. He owned a textile manufacturing company. No one really knows how much money Milton Scott gave to the kingdom of God. Conservative estimates are millions. No one ever knew it. He never bragged about it. His passion, and this is why I love this brother. I can't wait to meet him one day in heaven. His passion was Bible translation work, Bible printing, and Bible distribution around the world. He himself personally funded 13 Wycliffe Bible translation projects. And he would wait for God to bring the next project to his desk. And he would tell the Lord, if you'll pay for it, I'll pay for it. And many times he emptied out all of his accounts to buy Bibles. And each time God would refill them. Over his lifespan... From 1895 to 2001, Milton Scott glorified God in a way that only eternity is really going to reveal. (coughs) See, you and I have the same opportunity. Who had ever heard of Milton Scott prior to this? He wasn't a famous preacher. To my knowledge, he never preached one single sermon. But look what he did with his life. Because it was a life well lived. Because he paid careful attention to the way he lived. Do you know he read through his entire Bible some 80 times? You know why he was so passionate about spreading the Bible? Because he actually read it. Friends, if you and I actually read it, we would share that same passion. He lived well. He died well. And I believe his eternity is exquisite. Make, so follow the logic. If you pay careful attention to your everyday life, you'll not be as the unwise, you'll be as a wise man, a wise woman. You'll make the best use of every opportunity, like Milton Scott. Every project God brought to his desk, he addressed it. What if you and I were that way? Whatever project comes. See, often we tell the Lord as a church, God, we'll take any hill. You just tell us what hill to take and we'll take it. What do you want us to do, Lord? Then he said, because the days are evil. How many of you agree with that? Did you see what happened in Nashville on Christmas Day? Have you paid attention to the news? How many shootings there have been? How many acts of violence there have been? Have you paid attention to Lynn Garden? you paying attention to our own city? How much violence there's been just in the month? Just this month, how much violence has been in our own city? Friends, the stakes could not be higher than what they are now. And then lastly, he says, Therefore... Because of all of this, here's the conclusion. Don't be foolish. Don't live wasted, comfortable lives. Don't be foolish. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. Do you understand God's will for you? You may not. But here's the good gospel news. You can Did you know that God does not want his will to be a mystery to you? Some of you may feel frustrated today because you don't know God's will for you. Well, friends, let me tell you, God's on your side. He wants you to understand his will. Don't be foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And let me tell you, if you don't know God's will in the really huge things, don't sweat that. You start doing God's will in the little things. And what will happen as you're doing God's will in the small things? He'll walk you into his will in the large things. You know what the Bible says is God's will for all of us? To give thanks in all circumstances. Come on, say amen if you're with me right now. Amen. To give thanks in all circumstances. See, some of you praying for a better job. But God can't give you a better job till you start giving thanks for what you got. Some of you praying for a more reliable vehicle, but God can't give you that until you start giving thanks for what you got. Some of you praying for a spouse, but God can't do that until you begin to be thankful in singleness. Giving thanks. And you may not know what God's will is five years down the road or two years down the road or even next week. But here's what you do know based on the word of God. His will today is for you to be a thankful person. And if you would just start doing that, then God will begin to order your steps as they ought to be. And then Proverbs 4.26, Proverbs 4.18. Then the Bible says, ponder the path of your feet and all your ways will be sure. And the Bible says that the path of the righteous is like the dawning of the day and it grows brighter and brighter until full noon day. Friends, we make this thing far more complicated than what it ought to be. And if we'll just stick to the word and we'll just do what the word tells us to do, I'm telling you, God works it all out. And you say, Chad, that's easy for you to say. No, my friends, I know. I know what I'm talking about. Because God has helped me and God is helping me. Pay careful attention to how you live. Don't be like the unwise. Be like the wise. And how do you do that? You make every opportunity. You take the best use of the kairos. The time that God has right now. The season of life you're in. You're in a season of singleness. Make the best of it. You're in a season of separation. Make the best of it. You're in a season of joblessness. Make the best of it. You're in a season of spiritual drought. Make the best of it. You're in a season of your children being wayward. Being prodigals. Make the best use of it of it and then you know what will happen because the days are evil God will work in your favor God will help you in an extraordinary way and therefore you will understand what the personal will of God is for you and your family let's bow our heads today Lord I want to thank you for every word and every line of God's word line upon line, precept upon precept, it teaches us how we ought to live in this present evil age. It teaches us how to think. It teaches us how to pray. It teaches us how to walk. Hmm. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, what is it about 20 Twenty, this hard and difficult year what do you need to leave behind what do you need to leave behind what do you need to start going into 2021 you know I've been talking a lot about mornings with God what if you became a Milton Scott that you read your Bible through What if you became a Milton Scott that instead of trying to upgrade that house you did the work of God? What if God got the best of you every day? Not what's left but the best. What if? What if instead of just making snap decisions what if he began to Lay your decisions out before God, and you began to seek His will, and you began to seek His face. What if? What if instead of deciding what was right for you, you waited on the Holy Spirit? What if your steps were guided by God? oh, how different things would be. And you know what I learned from Milton Scott is you don't have to be a big name. You don't have to have fancy things. You don't have to have the right connections. (laughs) You just need to quietly obey God. And as you do that, heaven accounts for it. Boy, I tell you, to get to heaven and to have the rewards that Jim Elliot has. Who didn't keep what he could... Who didn't... He didn't try to keep what he could never keep of himself. He he lost his life, but he, he gained eternal life. To have the rewards of Milton Scott who quietly plodded along through life glorifying God serving his kingdom. Mm. Eternity is now theirs. But see we're here in this Ross. We're here with these opportunities. You know, 2020 is going uh, it's, to, it's given us unique opportunities. This last week, there'll be unique opportunities. <laughs> January will be a unique opportunity. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Gonna do. God, make me wise. Make me wise. Don't let me be foolish with my life, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Make me wise. Make all of us wise. That together we'll look back on this kairos and we'll say, we glorified God with this time, with this space, with these resources, with this health, with this opportunity that you've given us. Heaven awaits us, but that's then, this is now. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.